1.8 million YouTube subscribers without being the dancing monkey on camera all the time. Let's unpack how Eric Bantles, hopefully I pronounced his last name right there, grew Beard Brand into a multi-million dollar company using YouTube. Eric, dude, so stoked to jump into this. You guys are in a super competitive market, which is the beard space. And my little micro beard has uh, got me like quivering over here on the other side of the camera next to yours and all the amazing videos that you guys highlight on social. And that's going to be partly what we chat about here. So I'm curious. Let me ask you this first. On a scale of one to 10, what would you say how content marketing factored into the growth of beard brand? A lot of our roots come from content marketing. It's actually how we started as a bootstrap company. We don't have oodles and oodles of money, so we have to figure out ways to bring awareness to our brand in an efficient way. So content marketing has been, I would say, probably 70%, maybe 60 to 70% of the reason we've found success so far. Amazing. And the area I want to focus on for this conversation is specifically around YouTube, which you guys, like I said in the intro at the time of this, 1.8 million subs on YouTube, which puts you in like probably the 0.001% of the elite on YouTube, which is awesome. And what's most interesting, though, is how you guys have done this. So you're a a physical products brand. I, I would say that's probably a good way to describe it, right? Beard oils, accessories, hair stuff. You're shipping a lot of stuff out. So a lot of physical product brands don't lean as hard into content marketing as you guys do because the first thing that runs through their head is, crap, who the hell is going to record this content? You want to be the talking head? You want to be the talking head? And what you guys do is different. So can you kind of unpack how you guys tackled YouTube and were, were able to grow it so big without having like a singular focused talking head, so to speak, in the company? We'll be celebrating 10 years next year in February is, is actually when we launched our YouTube channel. So we've been at it for a long period of time. And in the early days, I was kind of like that token person. But I never wanted the company to be, you know, Eric brand. I wanted it to be Beard brand. I wanted it to stand alone. You know, one thing that Beard Brand does differently than most companies is while you talked about how we sell beard oil and, you know, mustache wax and hairstyling products and body products, that's not the point of the company. The point of the company is really to make men awesome and, and to help them love the person looking back at them in the mirror. So the products that we sell are simply a way for us to, to grow our voice and to grow our audience. And we almost view ourselves as like a content first company rather than like a product company who's trying to figure out ways to sell the product. Really, we sell the product to be able to get a, a larger voice out there. So Beard Brand has gone through a lot of iterations on the YouTube platform over the years, of course, over 10 years, as we respond to the algorithm and the requirements that you need to do to be able to grow your content organically. I was able to bring on other creators like Carlos Costa, Greg Brzezinski, Ben Wilson. I struggled with that because we have a video editor who's Ben Weaver, Ben Wilson, and my dyslexia gets a little bit, but but Ben Wilson. Uh, so we've got four kind of primary content creators. And then we also have uh, a lot of barbers who we work with. And it's actually, we do have one channel that's 1.8 million, which is our barbershop channel. And we film primarily barbershop cuts, but we also have a smaller channel called the Beard Brand Alliance, which has about 150,000 subscribers. And that's where- So small. You know, yeah, I know. It's a small one. That's where me and uh, Greg and Carlos, we, we upload content there. So uh, it's just been uh, asking people if they're down to do it. And we've been very lucky to have people who resonate with our mission and our brand and who are willing to produce content for us. 
can you unpack that a little bit more? So what does it look like? You, you reach out to these people and you're basically pitching them on a collaboration opportunity. Like, how do you structure that as much as you're willing to share? I think it's different depending on the size of your business and the scope of your audience and things like that. Obviously, as a bootstrap company, we started off really small. Uh, we didn't start off with 1.8 million subscribers. We built it over 10 years, which is a lot of work and effort. But to be frank, I just shoot Carlos Costa a message on Instagram. and like, hey, man, here's some products. If you like it, let me know. He likes the products. It's like, okay, you like the products. You want to make a video for me? Okay, let's do it. It kind of happened the same way with uh, Jeff Bond Cristiano, who used to create a lot of content for us uh, about five years ago. And he was just a fan of Beard Brand. He was a fan of what we're doing. I'm like, man, I love your beard. I love your style. You want to do a video? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll do a video. Uh, so uh, I, I feel very fortunate that our our audience and our customers, they tend to be pretty cool and chill people, which makes it pretty easy to to reach out. Um, but again, this is all like seven years ago and the, the space changes now. You know, the game changes. Yep. So the creators you have now, uh, I imagine there's some type of financial incentive for them to be a part of this, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, in the early days when the channel was real small, I think we we paid them like uh, 250 bucks per video to produce. And I don't know what the current rates are now, but it tends to have a little more association with the performance they're doing or just like uh, the other intangible things we do. Like uh, Carlos not only creates content for us, but he's like a full-time team member and he manages, he's the guy who brought in Greg Brzezinski. He does a lot of social media outreach and or, or social influencer outreach. So everything's just kind of on a one-by-one basis. And as a bootstrap company, you're just like, what do I need to do to make it work? And does the math work out or does it not work out? And it's as simple as that. Yeah. You guys track this in any way? Like how do you, and this is probably more relevant uh, you know, for a few years back, but how did you make sure that it made sense, right? You're paying these guys, I don't know, let's just use the number you said, 250 bucks a pop. You've got some people that are barbers. You've got some people that are maybe these few guys that you reference. So you've got a couple actors out there, so to speak. How do you make sure that those 250 bucks are producing an ROI for you? Did you guys have any mechanisms in place or it was kind of like a eh, gut feel? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. I think when you get to a certain size on YouTube, you're able to generate ad revenue. So we kind of had a rule that all the money we made on YouTube ads would just go right back into the business. So it'd go to pay for our video editors, it'd go to pay for the talent, it'd go to pay for the camera, the production, the equipment, all that stuff. So we never like made money on our advertising per se, but it was just kind of like an investment engine. And then from there, we were able to assume that that awareness we drove would would drive sales. So trying to break even on the production and then, uh, you know, everything after that is gravy. Yeah, I love the idea of just reinvesting that ad revenue. And at worst, right, it's a break even initiative once you get to a certain scale. And then it's but you know that the awareness of the brand is generating intangible results. That, I think that's a big thing for content marketing is sometimes it's really hard to have that attribution all the way through, at least a clear picture. It's not a Facebook ad where like there was the click, there was the add to cart, there was the purchase. Absolutely. Yeah. And Google does a great job of giving you the analytics you need to be able to make those decisions. Yeah. Fantastic. Any other like one tip or anything that like really helped you guys on YouTube where you, cause I'm sure at some point you were chugging along those 10 years and then a hockey stick came at, at some point and maybe it's not relevant to how YouTube functions now, but 
what was that moment for you guys where you're like something hit or something took off and you're like, this is the direction we need to run in quickly? A couple of things. If you're not doing YouTube right now and you want to get on YouTube, the number one tip I have is just go and do stuff. Your early videos are going to be crap, but that's okay because no one's watching them. The few people who do watch it will give you comments and you'll be able to iterate and make them better. So listen to your customers or listen to your audience and make the changes that they're wanting to see. And then look at the data of what's working. So your top performing videos, your best watch time videos, Google is telling you this is what we want you to produce, produce more of it. So listen to that. So we really focused on our barbershop content. And that's when we saw our hockey stick was primarily because of the data that YouTube was showing. So we've always been flexible and willing to kind of adapt to uh, the metrics and, you know, lean into to what's working and kind of scrap what's not working. Fantastic. Love it. And then last question, any physical product brand out there right now that's listening to this and second guessing content marketing or is not sure it would work for their niche or their business, what would you say to them? I mean, it might be true. Content marketing might not work for you. You know, like if you don't have the talent to write good blog articles or produce good videos or to make TikToks. But I'm going to tell you, like, once you get good at producing content, it helps immensely because then you're able to produce ads that are engaging and are cheaper to to run because people watch them and they engage with them. So it's a great skill set to have within your organization. But you're right. You may not need to do it. and You may uh, have better focus by working on other things. Love it, dude. Well, Eric, I appreciate you coming on, unpacking how YouTube has uh, helped you guys grow as a company. This has been fantastic. Thanks for coming on, dude. Really, really appreciate it. And where can people learn more about Beard Brand? Yeah, Beard Brand, beardbrand.com. Of course, if you Google us, you can find our YouTube channels. We're on TikTok now too, so it's a great platform for us. But go ahead and uh, do yourself a favor. Just buy some from from Beard Brand and you'll kind of see the full experience. Uh, all of our marketing efforts and our email flows and things like that. We've, we've put a lot of investment in that. So I lied. One last question. The short answer is fine. How's TikTok treating you guys? We've grown to 300,000 followers in about six months. So pretty good. Are you seeing any attribution from... We're seeing... It's kind of muddy data. We do a post-purchase survey of uh, one question, where did you first learn about us? And right now, TikTok, I think, is driving about 2% of uh, our sales right now, which is more than what we're paying to manage the account. Got it. Love it, dude. Eric, again, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you pulling back the curtain. All right, man. My pleasure, Ryan. Have a good day.